Hey friends, welcome back to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast. So one theme that we've covered quite a bit over the last few years is this idea of pushing outside of our conventional societal systems and just kind of thinking outside of the box. And one thing I know about living that sort of lifestyle is that sometimes it can feel a little bit lonely or you can feel like you're the only one out there doing these crazy things that the society doesn't understand. And so I know when I find someone who is thinking along those same lines, um, it's really exciting. It feels really good. And I know you guys feel the same way. And so that is what brought me across our guest today. Um, you know, I was surfing along Instagram the last few months and I kept seeing these posts by this guy and I thought, man, he's really nailing it. I love his message. Um, and I, they kept coming up and coming up and I finally started following him. And then I decided to ask him to join us today. So I am thrilled to have Matt Bodor. I should have asked you how to pronounce your last name before we hit record. I nailed it. Okay, you good. Nailed it. <laughs> awesome. you, nailed it. you nailed it right there. That's all. I mean, that's at okay. least how we say it. I don't know if that's right. I say, that's if you how say, we say it's it, right, so we're we'll rolling with, with it. So <laughs> then we're welcome, good. Matt. Yes, ma'am. Th- yeah, thank you for those kind on. words, man. I appreciate yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Honor so, is mine. Um, we have, I have a lot of ground I'd like to cover today. I think we have a lot of good conversation ahead of us. Cool. But I think what drew me to you and your message the most is um, I love how you speak to this idea of just thinking differently. And I know that your background, or at least a lot of what your message is wrapped around is this idea of parenting and education and creating leaders. But um, just when I zoom out from a broader perspective, I love that you are pushing against this expected societal path, but you're not doing it in a fear-based, you know, kind of a zombie apocalypse sort of way. It's just like this confidence, like we can do this sure. and this is good and this is healthy. Um, so I guess my first question for you is, how did you get to this point? Were you always drawn to thinking outside of the box being different or did you have that kind of revelation point at some point in your journey? It, that's a really good question. And, and believe it or not, I actually don't get asked that specific mm-hmm. question uh, that often. And, and I, you know, and I try to tell people, I don't even think that it's, I necessarily think outside of the box. I think, I just think, yeah. good point. I, right. I don't take anything at face value. I respect, uh, evidence that comes my way. I respect opinions that come my way. And then I'm going to beat those ideas to death in my own mind. And I'm going to do that for my own ideas as well. Right, because I'm concerned about just getting to the truth. I think it's I think it's interesting to dive into ideas and concepts and and really see what makes sense for me and how those ideas allow me to serve other people. So you know, I really look at it and just go. I try to do my best to think, and I I believe that most people, not necessarily even any fault of their own, they just refuse to do that. They go with the status quo. There's no thought required. Well, if this is what the majority is doing, then this must be the thing to do. And and I just don't live like that. So, the, you know, going back to your question on was I always like that? Probably a, there was a, a, probably a little, uh, you know, there was a little bit of that contrarian in me. And I was always concerned when I was younger about, you know, being right and everybody needed to to understand my opinion. And I wanted to convert everybody, you know, and I've. Uh, thankfully, I think at least matured a little bit out of that. I, now I just want people to think, I don't need anybody to think like me. I just want them to stop reacting, you know? And, and I think though the big turning point, so yes, there's a little DNA aspect in there, but the big turning point for me was really was working in education and working in schools, being at Stanford for a while, working as a public school teacher, working as a public school administrator, as a private school teacher, as a private school administrator, and then working with all these Fortune 500s around the world that are going, we're hiring these really good students, but really good student isn't translating into really good employee, you know? And so I just kept seeing these common themes and patterns, uh, which made me again, dive deeper into, well, why do we do this school thing the way we do it? Oh, wait a second. This isn't necessarily for human development. Uh, it's actually teaching people to go the other way. It's teaching them to accept majority rule and not to really think and, and work towards any kind of, uh, you know, sovereignty of their own mind. And that for me was, was alarming. And so, um, you know, I think that was really kind of the turning point. So I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little nature and a little bit of nurture. I like that. And, um, yeah, I absolutely resonate with what you're saying about the, 
the school not being there necessarily for human development in the way that we may maybe have been told that it was. Mm. So tell us a little bit more yes, about your time in, I think I saw you were a, a teacher and an admin. So you were kind of seeing the whole gamut of the system. What did you right. see there that uh, caused you to decide to go a different path? Yeah, I, you know, I'm very, very, I, I know that I'm very fortunate to have had the journey that I've had because it gave me that, you know, that very unique perspective that not a lot of people have. I got to see it actually from the top down. So I got to see it from the university level first and see that there was a bit of a game going on. You know, we grew up believing that there's this meritocracy to college and that is the overarching meritocracy. That's, you know, college applications are looking for a very specific thing. And I get to see a little bit from the inside that, okay, well, the meritocracy isn't always exactly what people think it is. There's a little bit of a game being played. And oh, by the way, even though these young people are so wildly intelligent, I'm also seeing a lack of resilience from a lot of them. I'm also seeing a, a lack of joy, a lack of purpose. Uh, and that to me, you know, seeing those patterns, if I've got what I do most things very, very poorly, but what I think I've been gifted with is the ability to see patterns really, really well and pay attention to those. And so I was noticing these patterns and I'm going, okay, well, how can I, f how can I fix this? This is interesting enough to me where I, I can devote some time and purpose to this. So that's what drew me into teaching. I'm, okay, I'm going to start from the ground up. I'll go be a teacher. But I start to see the same patterns. I'm seeing the same patterns in the humans, but I'm also seeing the same patterns mm -hmm. in the systems. And I'm going, okay, well, I'm being told I need to do this because this is what's going to fix this young person. But I've got a relationship with this young person. And, and I can tell you, this is not what he needs. He doesn't, you know, he's being told to sell drugs when he goes home at night. He doesn't need algebra yeah. right now. That's not what he needs right now. You know, and so um, it was kind of consistently seeing these patterns over and over and naively thinking that, okay, well, I'll take the next step. And that's where I will gain uh, some element of control to be able to actually impact the situation. So, okay, it looks like I can't impact the situation as a teacher. I'm getting in trouble for being what I called creatively oh. insubordinate. Uh, so I'll go be a, I'll go be an administrator. That's going to give me my, go be the administrator. You're like, wait a second. This whole system is about money. It's about politics. It's about power. It's about perpetuating the system. It's really not about helping young people. I guess I'll go private. You go private. It's, oh, okay, this is the exact same system. People are just paying yeah. to go here, right? So it was noticing all of these patterns over and over that made me finally, again, trying to beat those ideas to death, go, well, why? Why do we do it this way? And when you really dive into the why, if you're open and honest and you're willing to dive into to really why it came to be, uh, you start to go, okay, school as it's designed isn't really the thing. And at that point, once I came to that realization, I had my own, you know, kids at that point and my oldest was getting ready to go into school. And I was like, okay, no, no, we're, we're going to, we're going to either homeschool or we're going to build out, you know, something different. And so that's what shifted that trajectory for me. Yes, absolutely. Can you give us a little background from your research and your knowledge of how did this system come to be? I love the why question as well. That's like, that drives almost mm. everything I do is why, 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 yeah. why, and I drive people crazy. Mm -hmm. I've, I've read John Taylor Gatto's books. I absolutely adored them. I went and Googled him as soon Good. as I finished and tried. I was like, I'm going to have him on the podcast. And he died, you know, a number of years ago, which was super disappointing. Um, yes, he did. Yeah, he died yeah. a few years ago. So he ago. opened my eyes to that. Uh, and then I've found other yeah. people echoing a lot of his findings. It's interesting when you look, the, the other side likes mm -hmm. to say, well, that's not true. You know, it was all created for good purposes and just to help children. And so I'd love to hear what you've discovered in your research as you've dug into the origins of the system we have now. Yeah, that's a really good question. And and I look, I agree. I understand why people will take that, um, especially people who are are uh, our teachers yeah. and our administrators, right? They will take the side of like, no, of course, this is for the public good. And listen, they number one, they believe it. Number two, they're good human beings and they truly want yes. what's best for young people. You know, the majority of, are there messed up teachers? Yeah. Are the teachers unions controlled by a bunch of clowns? Yes. Um, unfortunately, they are. Are the majority of teachers and administrators phenomenal humans who really care about young people? Yeah. You bet. The majority of them are. So I support them. What's, what's you know, kind of stinks is that they have been taught, though, 
to perpetuate that system. That's what they've been taught. As you go to get your credential, you're taught to perpetuate the system. You're not taught to question it. You're not taught to ask, what should education be for? You're not taught to think about things logically and go, well, if this system right here was what we needed in terms of child development, in terms of setting a solid foundation for humanity, if that was true, and over 90% of our population has gone through this system, why are we such a mess? Why are we such a mess academically, spiritually, emotionally, physically? Why are we such a mess? You've got to ask those questions if you actually care about a solution, right? Otherwise, you're just a puppet upon, you know, whatever you want to call it, right? So, um, so look, John Taylor Goddard does a much better job. And if anybody that's listening hasn't read his books, I highly recommend going and reading that. Google, you know, the, some of the interviews he had before he passed. He articulates it much more eloquently than I ever could. But the the overarching you know, reality of it is it was a Prussian military system. It is a system designed for obedience in a world that revolves around the industrial revolution. We no longer live in a world where obedience is the key to success and the path to happiness. There was a short window of time when you could get away with that. And it was correlated to the industrial revolution. Well, we obviously also no live no longer live in the industrial revolution era. And there is a reason that as it was brought over by some of these guys that we tend to put on a pedestal, you know, the Horace Manns of the world, right? There was a reason that some of the overarching uh, kind of, you know, American oligarchs at the time, you know, your, your Rockefellers, you know, put the equivalent of what would be today, like one and a half billion dollars into the system to make sure that it was something that spread nationwide. And Rockefeller said, and again, go look this. I didn't say it just because I'm telling you that he said it. Don't get mad at me. Go look. He says, I want a nation of workers, not a nation of thinkers. So the entire thing is designed to have somebody who is obedient enough to go in and follow directions. They're smart enough to do so and do it decently, but they're not necessarily, um, they've given up sovereignty of their own mind at that point. And so they're not necessarily going to question things or try to do things differently, right? And it's why everybody does the exact same thing at the exact same time. You know, all of the all of the weird little intricacies of the school system that literally don't map out to anything else in society. The closest thing systemically that we have that mirrors academia well, let's see, you got to stay in a straight line. Somebody else is telling you your schedule. They tell you when to do something, when you can do it. You don't speak unless you're spoken to. You get this really crappy food on a tray. The only other system yep. like that is prison. Yep. And that's, I mean, that's the closest thing to it, you know, and it has nothing to do with human development. Um, so that's really where it came from and, and the intent. And again, that doesn't mean that's the intent of the teachers who are in the system, but they are taught to perpetuate that's and I think it's hard for people to hear it's really hard for them to hear yeah of course it's, it is yeah it's the it's the biggest religion that we're yeah. all born into yeah. you're born into the religion of school you're born into it's that old saying right the uh birds born in a cage think flying yeah. is an illness and that's really what's happened is we've all been born into this and we think oh okay well no that can't be the truth but the only reason we think that is because this experiment is now about 150 years old, right? Prior to this schooling experiment, people learned by doing. You had a community, you raised your own, you know, you likely raised your own food, you took care of all of your things at home, and then you probably had a specialized skill that you used to trade, barter, you know, sell, you know, whatever, interact with your community. That's how it always worked. Now for 150 years, we've done this little experiment. And the problem is you and I, and nobody listening to this, knows anybody that's older than 150 yeah. years old and because yes. they don't exist, right? So they can't remember that. So we just think, well, of course, this is how it's been and this is how it's supposed to be. Absolutely. Unfortunately, yes. it's yes. not the case. Yes, absolutely. Um, how do you think, do you feel like this is this is a question I always ask myself, is this a cyclical cyclical thing? I mean, it's fairly new, it's only 150 years old. Do you feel like we're coming, I feel like it's come to the end of its usefulness, just as a, I mean, I was a homeschool graduate and I homeschool my kids, so I have a different perspective. Um, mm -hmm. Or do you, yeah. how hard do you think 
this is maybe an unanswerable question. How hard do you feel like the powers that be will fight to maintain the status quo? Or do you feel like this will eventually just kind of be allowed to morph into something that serves our society better? That's a great question. And, and you use the word usefulness. And so I want to, I want to um, unpack that a little bit too and qualify that before, you know, before sure. I answer, because there are, um, there are a lot of parents, unfortunately, we can talk about the multiple causes for this, but there's a lot of parents in society that we can objectively say, you probably shouldn't have children. Um, you probably shouldn't. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting we do any kind of, you know, any kind of laws around that, any kind of, I'm suggesting that there are some people that don't want to take personal responsibility, never mind responsibility for the young lives that they have, you know, they've taken care of. We have a fatherless, you know, home epidemic, and we have um, some parents who are just straight up lazy parents. They're not taking care of their kids because they're not taking care of themselves or in bad place, whatever. There's a million different things, right? So for those young heroes that are growing up in that kind of environment, going to our schools for them a lot of times those are the best human beings they are mm -hmm. ever going to see those are the best humans they're going to get they're going to get more love there than they are at home so when we talk about usefulness for those young heroes you know i don't want it to go away um in whatever form that it ends up taking, I don't necessarily want it to go away because I want those relationships there. Those relationships matter. Now, if you you are you know an adult that uh, accepts personal responsibility, that wants to uh, really pour into your family, that wants to you know you you are purpose driven, you're going to set goals, you're going. If that is you, I would do everything in my power not to send my kids into that system. Because you, you're doing, you know, by all accounts, you're, you're making more of the quote unquote right decisions and, and moving things forward. So with that being the case, yes, we're going to have more and more people that continue to see the faults of the system itself. We've got 5 million mm -hmm. homeschoolers now in this country, 5 million. I think two years ago, it was like two and a half. I mean, it's just been a boom, right? And so I think that is fantastic. But Will school ever go away? It won't because there's too much money, power, and politics that are pouring into that to build an obedient population. So what you're going to end up having is this continuous split. You're going to have the young people who, man, they need to go there. And it's going to be, you know, you've got your classic bell curve. So a little bit, they need to go there because those are the best humans. You've got some people that realize, hey, this whole thing is a game and it's not a game that is conducive to you know, anything humanity should be about. So you've got the outliers on both sides. The dangerous part is that you've got the middle, so many people that even if they can see it and they go, oh my gosh, yeah, this is crazy. They're too afraid to let go of it. And that's where the danger is. And so I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Has it ceased to be useful? Um, for most people, yes, if they understood how to operate without trying to recreate okay. it at home. That makes sense. Yeah. And those are the conversations my husband and I have mm -hmm. all the time. Cause we have those, I mean, we live our lives a yeah. certain way. We have sometimes we get wrapped up in the pie in the sky, like, well, everyone should live in a homestead and grow their own food and do this and that. But you have to acknowledge there are, there's a lot of different mm -hmm. situations. There's a lot of nuance there. So you can't get of black course. and white dogmatic. Of course. Yeah. There's a lot of nuance. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. And that's what's, that's, what's hard. Do, do I, I love that. I love that's part of the reason we moved to where we moved to. We want to grow our own food. We want sovereignty, right? We want self-sufficiency in every way possible. I'm not, you know, Pollyanna enough to believe that every single person is going to have that right. I fully get that. Um, but we still have to acknowledge the system for, for what it is. Yes, the good absolutely. Anyway. So I have a good mixture in my audience. I have a lot of homeschoolers. I also have a lot of parents who send their kids to public school and I'm always careful to acknowledge their choice and yep. their, you know, that there's different, different reasons sure. and, you know, not make anyone feel bad. So I'm perhaps someone's listening totally. and they're going, Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So if someone's in this situation, they're sending their kids to public school, they they have good teachers, they're feeling good about yep. it. How can they, you know, if they're going to stay yep. in that situation, how can they just continue to help their kids start thinking and how can they cultivate that resilience um, in other ways, do you yeah. have suggestions for that? That's a really good, really good question. You know, my friend, Seth Godin, who some of the listeners may know, you know, Seth is a phenomenal human being and Seth has spoken, uh, very bluntly about, 
hey, look, I, you know, if my kids were coming up and going to school right now, you know, the school like Acton Academies, like the, the schools that I was affiliated with, right, or home yeah. education, that's really about the only way I would go. But my kids went to public schools. He says, what I was always careful to do, though, is we would talk about the game they were playing while they were there. And then we'd made sure we got to their education once they got home. Mm. And so that's what I always tell parents is, look, your kids may go play the game of school. And I, and I say that not flippantly. There's a specific game. That's why some people figure out the game and they can do really well at school. But then you'll see that maybe they don't do very well at life. Right? The relationships are faltering. They're not getting good jobs. They're still living at home, even though they've got a degree. They're not able to provide, like, they're making bad financial decisions. Like, they're just not, you know, it's not working as an adult for them. But they were really good at school. Well, yeah, I can be really good at checkers. It doesn't mean I'm good at basketball. Those are yes. different games. School and life are different games, right? Education is what gets you ready for life. School gets you ready for school. So be very aware that, you know, though your young hero may do very well at school, he or she needs a different skill set for life. Though your young hero may not do well at school, they may still be wildly ready to go for life, right? So you got to just play out all those scenarios. So understand school is the game that it is, and they need to go and and really think through um the, the biggest thing, it's not that academia is good, bad. Otherwise, it's put too high mm -hmm. on a pedestal. Um, so don't get so caught up in the academic side of things. Get caught up more in the character side of things. How are they uh, you know, treating other people? Are they getting along? Are they trying to lead? Are they trying to be intentional about the relationships? And what are the habits they are building? Because one of the habits you build in school is you know, you're blindly obedient to whoever claims authority the loudest. You start to think that life works in subjects. You, you start to give away your sovereignty and your time is no longer your own. It is somebody else telling you what to do and when to do it. Even when you go home, ah, I'm still under their control because now I have homework and I got to do this because they said it right. These are all mindsets that become habits that set in. That's the sneaky side that I want parents to be aware of because then they get done with that. And now all of a sudden you're in a world that says, you've got to decide who are you? Are you confident? Have you ever done anything? Are you self-aware because you've tried things and you failed, right? Are you okay with failure? Do you have any resilience? The world asks for all of those things. School wants you to avoid yeah, all of those. So, mm -hmm. so you've got to, as a parent, go, okay, how am I going to build out resilience? How am I going to allow them to fail at something, to try hard things? How much responsibility can I give them at home and outside the home, whether that's working, whether that's starting, you know, a business, whether that is volunteering somewhere, um, whether that's taking on a really hard, challenging uh, sport and they're failing and they're having to get back up. How do you combat the habits? You know, those are the things that you need to really focus on are the habits over everything else. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I like I like that idea that the, sc the school and life school and life are different games. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Very different games, you know, and there's like this illusion. And in one of my, in my last Ted talk, I kind of gave, I, I said, you know, checkers versus chess. And it's, it's an illusion because there's like, okay, well, if I look at the board, it, it looks the same. And so you feel like, okay, there's some things that I need, uh, you know, cause you're like, okay, yeah, school. Well, yeah, of course I'm going to have to read if I'm going to be successful in life. Okay. Yeah, cool. But that has nothing to do with school. It has nothing to do with school. It doesn't like. And you learn to read, but then what? You go, you still stuck 12 years developing these other habits. Like it's not the same thing. It, being good at one does not make you good at the other. It just, but it seems like something maybe overlaps. And so it's kind of like the matrix pulled over your eyes. Like I know something's wrong. I don't quite get what it is, you know, and, and that's, that's really what parents are, are facing and, and ultimately struggling with. Yes, I can, I can totally see that. Hey friends, I'm interrupting this episode for just a second to give you a very exciting announcement. The 2023 Old Fashioned On Purpose Planner is officially here and it is shipping out as we speak. So people ask me all the time how I keep all the moving pieces of our life going forward. And honestly, my biggest trick is I plan it all out. I write everything down and I live and die by my planner. 
And for many years, I couldn't find a planner or a calendar that really fit our unique old-fashioned lifestyle. So I made one myself. This is our third year printing these. And I think this version is my favorite one yet. We updated the look. So it looks like an old-fashioned ledger. And it has all the parts you need to keep your homestead running, whether your homestead is big and out in the middle of the country or it's just in your backyard. We have trackers for your kitchen, your garden, and your farm animals. We have charts and inventories for pantries and seeds and garden planting and kitchen projects and menu planning, uh, in addition to weekly spreads, monthly spread, spreads, and project planners. So... It's way too much to tell you about in the middle of a podcast episode. So head on over to prairieplanner.com for all the details and a sneak peek of the inside. Plus, we have sold out every single year with these. So do not wait to grab your own. Uh, you can place your order over at prairieplanner.com. So happy planning, my friends. And now back to our episode. So yeah. again, this is a really big question, but how can it, Sure. How do you think when, when we have a, these generations of adults who've come up through that system and it's, you know, they're here, they are, they're doing their thing. Mm -hmm. How can we, let's, I, I'm thinking like people like you and me or people who are listening to this podcast right now, who have started on that yeah. path of sovereignty and thinking differently or just thinking, yes. how can we spread that in positive ways to the people around us? I, I mean, I know you can't, it's, you just can't force someone to change their mind. You can't drag someone into a different way of thinking, but how right. can we start to be, um, good influences on those around us to help maybe get this a little more contagious. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, and I, like you said, how can we be more, more influential because that's really where it is, right? There's the things that you absolutely cannot control. There are the things you can control, but in the middle there and where we, the situations we see most often are, are where can we influence? And that's a longer tailgate, right? I'm never going to yeah. be able to control the, the weather, I'm not going to be able to control the war. I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to, be able to control that. I can control my response to all of it. I can control what I do with my life, my family, our goals, our purpose. But we're talking about the people in the middle. How do we influence? Um, and really that is through what I found is through mm -hmm. stories. Um, it's through, it's through storytelling, you know, and again, Seth has been a big influence on me as far as that goes, because I love the I, I love the the title of this podcast, right? Old fashioned on purpose. Well, stories are about as old fashioned yes. as, as you get. We have always learned through stories, whether those are stories of hey, let me sit let me sit down and tell you what your grandpa did, right? And stories that are within our lineage, or whether we're using you know myth and and like mythology, or whether we're using classic literature, um, whether we're using biographies and autobiographies, right? Whether stories are coming through film. Um, stories are now coming through podcast form. There's a million different ways now to share these stories of success. So when you're sharing your stories and what, what you're doing, even on, you know, just even on social media platforms, you're sharing the stories of how your family is being successful in this. Well, you're inspiring other people to, to, to take action in that same thing. And you're educating them at the same time, right? So they're being inspired at the end of the day, all education is self-education, yes. Right. That means I can't, I can't teach Jill anything. I can teach you nothing. I can try to inspire you. I can share a story. I can give you a question that makes you think. I can point your eyes to the horizon in various ways and say, what do you think about that? What do you see here? This is how I did it. This is how I see it. At the end of the day, though, Jill has to go, okay, I want to own that for myself. And I want to wrestle with it. And I want to think about it. And I want to potentially do something about it right? You have to own that. I can never make you do that. So that's what we are doing um, as educators is we are sharing those stories. We are dripping those out in all these different platforms, whatever makes sense to us. Uh, and in that way and doing it consistently over time, we are now influencing other people to create their own magic, create their own stories, which they can turn around and, and share with others. That's, that's powerful. I like the, the piece, especially about the self-education. Um, I, I know, look, yes, so I, I ride horses quite a bit and I think I might've mentioned this on a previous episode for yeah. those of you who listened to all of them. Sorry if this is a repeat, but my biggest revelation, I think this summer when I was doing a bunch of riding, um, was forcing the horse into something versus letting the horse find the answer. And you can get something done both ways mm. technically, but if you force the horse, yep. uh, 
it's not the same. The horse isn't as willing, the horse, it just is not the same. But when you let the horse work at it and then they finally figure it out and then it's like their idea, it's it's a hundred percent different experience for the horse. The horse is willing, the horse is happy, the ride is better. And you know, I when I look at animals, yes. I feel like they're sometimes some of the purest examples because they don't have all the human stuff clouding their responses. So I'm like, that's if that's right. true for the horse, I know that's gotta be yes. true for humans as well and kids and and all of us. It's absolutely true. It's absolutely true for it. Uh, one of the um one of my most prized possessions, man, and I don't prize I don't prize possessions. Um but one of my, I will say, one of my most prized possessions, if I was to pick some, is is uh, a family that I've gotten the chance to work with in a number of capacities. Um, they are part of my home education group. They are, uh, their young men were part of our mentorship group, and the dad is, is coming in to be part of our dad's program, right? So I get to work with them in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, what they just sent me in the mail was a, uh, a bobblehead of Morpheus, right? And I mentioned, you know, I said, hey, get, get out of the matrix, you know, kind of thing, right? But they sent me that because they're like, this is like you. You're just continuously going, look, here's the pill. I'm going to open the door. You've got to walk through. I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to shove you. I'm not going to drag you. I'm not going to beat you over the head. I'm not going to be mad at you if you decide not to walk through. I'm not going to be mad at you if you decide to take the blue pill. I'm not going to. But gosh, I'd love for you to take the red pill. Let me give you a little bit of a story on what's on the other side of this door should you choose to walk through it. You know, and, and I took that, that was a, was a big honor for me because that's what I strive. I mess it up a lot. I'll get myself too fired up because I'm so vested in their success yep. or, you know, whatever it is. I, so I'll mess it up. And sometimes I'm, I can find, I'm like in my head, I'm like, dude, shut your mouth, shut up. Like you're trying to convince, stop, you know? So I definitely have messed that up more times than I care to admit. But uh, if I can get to that place of just telling those stories and opening the doors and it's the hardest to do with oh, your yeah. own kids because you yes. want, you know, so hard, right. And your own, and your spouse and you want yeah. them so badly to be successful. And it's like, I just yeah. let me tell you what to do, you know, but like you said, if you can just kind of open those doors and kind of open the vision and they go, Hmm, okay. And they go themselves. Then it sticks. Yeah. Yeah. Just setting it, it up and letting it happen. But sometimes that, I mean, it's, more natural, at least for me to just try to drag someone through the door. Like, I think that I'm like, I'll just do it. I'll just drag you. Just like, yes, let me, let me do it for you. doesn't work, totally. but it, it's so tempting. It, totally. So tempting. Yeah. Totally. It's yeah. It's how we're yeah. wired, man. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So, um, I just, I'm wrapping up edits on a, my newest book. And a big part of that book was I spent months researching. I was asking the why question. I was like, how did we get here as a society? That was a question I asked yeah. over and over. And in that research, everything, and you mentioned it a minute ago, everything kept pointing back to the industrial revolution as kind of that pivoting point. Mm -hmm. Not that everything was perfect and wonderful before, but there was a huge shift in our society of course. when we became more mechanized, when things got easier, we became more industrial. And that factory mindset kind of bled into everything, food, education, or how we make a living. Um, so I've been, I'm still just chewing on this yes. idea. And I'm curious, just because you brought up the industrial revolution, do you feel like where we are now as a culture, where we struggle taking personal responsibility, we're more happy just kind of being spoon-fed things, we're pretty passive as a culture, do you feel like that's just a side effect yeah. of life getting easier? Do you think that this is just a cycle of cultures? Like, I'm just, I'm always curious, like, how do we get here and how can we get out? How can we move forward or keep progressing? Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, there, there is this apathetic bent that's, that's taking place. And, you know, I think about it from a, um, you know, use the, use the example of the horses, right? And uh, if you take a lion that was born into captivity, the lion was born in a zoo and it's lived there its entire life and it's been fed and just the food gets, you know, tossed down to it. It doesn't really have to worry about surviving or doing anything. Well, you go drop that hyena after living in the zoo for 15 years or whatever it is, you go drop that, you know, uh, you drop that lion, you go drop it in there. It's going to get eaten by a pack of hyenas. It's going to get like, it's not going to survive. It's not going to know how to hunt. It's not going to know how to do anything, right? Because it's used to the comfort. It's used to the ease. And I think we're in that spot in a lot of ways. Everything is so easy. And we are always looking for the quote unquote hack, the, the pill, the whatever it is to avoid this personal responsibility. We have, uh, accepted this blanket of of uh, apathy that has been pushed down through culture, that's been pushed down through media, that is definitely perpetuated in schools. Um, 
so I think what it's what's going on is it's creating a split. It's actually creating a divide between people where some people are fed up with the apathy and some people yeah. are begging for it. And I think what we're going to see, because I think culturally, there's still a lot of people that benefit from an apathetic society. There's a lot of powers that be that benefit from that. Um, and they're going to promise all the things that you need to promise. And so we're kind of in that phase of the cycle where you can have more and more people that just go, yep, you bet. Please take care of me. I am done. I'm, I'm checked out. And then you're going to have the other people that are like, nope, I want nothing to do with any of this. Complete sovereignty is where I'm headed. I think what we're going to see is a real big split um, that is going to take place. And I don't see that necessarily ending anytime soon. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm an optimistic pessimist, I guess. I don't think we're going to... Um, get a solution super quick, but I think there's going to be a split, and I think it's up to people to decide which side of the which side of the boat are you going to be on. Because I think the, it's going to be a rough ride for those that don't choose sovereignty. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, I, I really do. Yeah. yeah, I've I've been seeing that same split. It does feel like the chasm is getting wider in between the two. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. It, it really does, and I don't think that's necessarily going to stop anytime soon. I, I hope. You know, um, my, my hope is that it, I think it's going to happen. My hope is that it happens as civilly as humanly possible, but that's another thing we've been taught, not really, that's something we've been taught to avoid mm -hmm. is civil discourse. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, it's like, if we don't agree on every single thing, which by the way, you don't agree on every single yes. thing with anybody else on this planet. Well then you're my enemy because you're on the other side. Yeah. I'm on this side. Yeah. Right. And that's a, that's a dangerous spot to be just individually it's a dangerous spot to be because you're going to find yourself in this emotional you know state yeah, yeah the polarization right now is intense everything is polarizing everything yes yes ma yes ma'am yes so you mentioned apathy um what do you and your family do to fight apathy in your life oh it's a great question i love that um everything is it, we take this approach of fire aim ready right? <laughs> yes. you have the whole concept of ready aim yep. fire and I think too many people are ready, aim, fire, but then, and uh, the need to get a perfect plan and to get the perfect, and then, oh, by the way, what is the perfect plan? And then you have this system over here going, here's your perfect plan, and we know this is the, and you're like, okay, cool, so that must be perfect, and that must be perfect, this must be the perfect, and you never actually take a step forward and do anything. We're very much the other way. We're fire, aim, ready. We're going to go, okay. Does this seem like we this aligns with our purpose and our mission statement, our values? We actually have a contract as a family, uh, and that's our contract of how we view the world and how we're going to hold each other accountable. Hold each other yes. accountable. Not I hold yeah. them all accountable. Hold each other, meaning my kids can also say, Dad, you're violating the contract. And if they can show me, I need to change my behavior because I agreed to that contract too. So we've got our contract um, and and we're all about the purpose and adventure and going for something. When I say adventure, it doesn't mean we're out on, you know, some sort of swashbuckling ship or we're out riding elephants in this air. It just means we're all attacking something. We're trying to make something happen for the betterment of our, ourselves, our society, you know, our family, whatever. So um, holding true to the family contract and really pushing forward on something we don't sit around and allow ourselves to be mm. idle again part of the reason we moved out here you can't be idle on a farm you can't be idle on a working farm there's animals depend on you we're providing food now to some local restaurants there you know they depend on us that's not our livelihood but we do make a little bit of money with it more importantly it gives us again some things to do every single day so we've got family goals and things that we're tackling together and a giant purpose. And then we have individual goals and the things that we're all super passionate about and going after. And we support each other in that. When you're busy firing and firing and firing and firing and firing, you're too busy to get caught up in the noise of, of anything that's a distraction. You're too like, you know, you're, you're, you're busy doing the, 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 the noise on the rest of everything gets turned down. I likened it. I was on a podcast last, actually Tim, my business partner and I did like 20 oh, nice. podcasts last week. <laughs> um, and so we were, we were on, it was great. Like we did nine over the course of like a day and a half. That's it was, crazy. it was bananas. Um, but one of them, one of the things, I don't even remember what the conversation was there, but, uh, I was, I said, you know, we're talking about perspective. And I said, a five-year-old walks up to you and it's a five-year-old that you don't know. And they just go, you know, Hey, Jill, you're a poopy pants. You're like, all right, well, that's kind of funny. That's kind of silly. 
hope yeah. the kid's okay. You know, I don't know what's going on, but it doesn't impact right. you. <laughs> you're like, okay, sure. I'm going to go forward and live my life now. And you're not going to give it another thought. We are so wrapped up to where some stranger says something to us on the internet or, you know, Kanye West, who I don't know him. Nope. Neither do nope. you. I don't think, you know, like he's doing something. Do we agree? Disagree? I, you know, probably agree with some things, disagree with some things, but who cares? It doesn't impact us enough to spend as much time on it as so many people do. And they only spend time on it until the next distraction comes up and then the next one and the next one. And before they know it, their day is gone and their mind is a mess worrying about things that don't impact them at all. We're too busy firing over here with our purpose and, and our missions, you know, and, and moving forward to, to really get drawn into anything. So when you, when you're doing that, you've got goals like that. Apathy isn't even, I mean, it doesn't yeah. creep in at all. I agree. We're also a fire aim ready family. So it's good to know we're not, we're not alone. We get yeah. ourselves into some, uh, that's awesome. Some big yeah, adventures awesome. sometimes, but we've always gotten back out. So it's all good yeah. <laughs> so far. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think, most entrepreneurs yeah. are that way. Um, you know, you've got the doers are that way. But what I have found is that it's what also brings, uh, when you have purpose like that, that's ultimately what brings yes. peace too. You know, we talk a lot about balance is the, the buzzword, you know, and, and people try to go balance by working just as the same amount of hours as I'm not working. Mm. And then that, eh, that's not the that's not balance. Balance yes. is up here. Balance is when you are feeling really good about what you're doing, why you're doing it, and you know who you're doing it with, right? And it's that purpose and the people you're surrounding yourself with. Then you can go all day long, man, and go you know rest easy at night because you're living that mission. Yeah, that's I agree. Balance. You know, people ask me all the time about how do I stay motivated, and I'm like, you don't have to stay motivated if you if you're feeling that purpose and what you're doing. Like that motivation just comes. I mean, there's days you don't want to do it. Sure. But you just, it's it just, just there. you keep doing it. Of course. So, yeah. Just keep doing you it. just keep doing it. Right. And how do you stay? Mo so I, I respond to that same thing with like, okay, how do you stay motivated to feed your right. kids? <laughs> you just do. Yeah. You just do it because it's part of what you do. Right. And even if you're not feeling good, you feel sure. physically sick or you're just in a bad mood. You're not going to be like, ah, oh, I'm pissed right now. I'm not making food for yeah. my children. You know, of course not. You're going to do it because yes. it needs to be done. Yes. And it's the same thing. Yeah, that's your purpose. You're disciplined enough to do it, whether you feel like it or not. And you're just going to get it done. It's, that's it. Motivation right. doesn't even play yep. into it. Yep. I agree. So uh, my, my next question, you kind of segued accidentally nicely into it. Um, I, I really liked the post you, you posted maybe last week about what you were just were saying, you know, we don't have to worry about liver King and Kanye and all these other things. Just go home and lead your family and, you know, work on mm. your, the things that you need to work on. Yeah. Um, I love that. I also was interested in that because, uh, I, I'm frequently telling people like just in different posts, like turn off the news, like let's refocus similar to that message. And that's, I've noticed one of the most controversial things mm -hmm. that I say, and I'm not very controversial, mm -hmm. but I get a lot of pushback on that because people react from both sides of the political aisle and mm -hmm. say, no, I have to watch the news so I am informed. What do you say to someone who might have that argument? I think uh, it was Denzel Washington had the best quote I ever heard on that. He says, you know, if, he says, if, you, uh, if you don't watch the news, you're not informed. If you do watch it, you're mm, misinformed. That's good. And, you know, and, and I kind of... Uh, I kind of would tend to agree. It would tend to agree. So here's what, you know, all I can say is what has worked for me, for us. Do I want to be informed of what's going on? Sure. You bet. I will allow myself 10 minutes a day, maybe to just search some headlines of what's going on. Right. And there's some things that just beat you over the head because everybody else is talking about us. So you're going to get exposed to it anyways. Right. Um, but that's about it. And I don't, Again, I categorize it like those three categories earlier. What can I control? What do I have absolutely no control over? And where can I influence? And so, you know, I'll look at those situations and go, okay, why? I have zero control over that. Yeah. Zip. Liver King, I have zero control. Yeah. I don't know the man. I know people who know him. I don't know him. And I don't care. Um, you're, 
I, I, I can't control his behavior. I can't control all I can control is my reaction. I don't personally care. My focus is going to be over here on my family. Should he have lied? Of course not. Should people, have, you know, that's, that's fine. I understand that. All I can do is get back to what I can control and then how can I influence? And at that moment, I feel like there were too many people who are spending too much time on a subject that ultimately does not matter. Right. And so I was like, Hey, let's, if I can draw you back to what matters a little bit, maybe you just at least relax on, on all of this. When it comes down to the politics, um, I, I fully admit I'm a bit jaded in that because of my, uh, background and some of my friends who are, uh, are very well known in the political arena. Um, and again, to me, this is another yes. game that is being played. And so I think, uh, I tend to think that there is even less I can do about it than other people feel like. I just I feel like it's a game, so I just don't get involved. I want to be aware, but I just don't get involved. And if you want to, great, man, um, have at it. But if you're going to have at it and have no peace of mind where you're stressed out, if you're going to have at that, but your relationships aren't solid with your, you know, your spouse or your kids you're not happy with the rest of your life. You're not happy with what you're doing for work. You're not happy with your physical condition. You're not happy about how much money you make. You're not happy about all of these things. At some point, you've got to take a look in the mirror and go, okay, I'm complaining about all these things when my focus is over yep. here. Fix that first, free up your time, and then worry about politics all you want. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I stand. People want to complain about things they can't fix. And then also want to complain about the things that they could fix if they stopped worrying about the things they yes. can't fix. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're just in this habit of, of complaining yeah. is all you're doing. Uh, find a solution. And that's one of the rules in our house, by the way, on our contract is no complaining. Fix it. If it's worth complaining about, it's worth doing oh, something good. to change. I like that. That's real good. So we're running up on time here. Um, I think my last big question for you is, let's say someone's listening, they're just starting to, for lack of a better word, wake up out of the matrix. They're maybe, you know, they're just in that early stage of mm -hmm. homesteading or maybe thinking about homeschooling or thinking about just doing things differently. Mm -hmm. What's your best advice for someone in that yeah. position? That's a really good question. So you have to understand what you're battling against. So you are you are leaving a, the, the best way I can say it, and this sounds so bad, but it's the best way to describe the mental journey you're about to be on. You're leaving a cult. You were born into a cult. You're leaving the cult because you realize the cult is not there. If you've ever done any kind of research or study, or even if you just think about it logically, if you've got somebody, you know, somebody's listening to this and they're 35, they're 40 years old or whatever, and they're thinking about making this transition. If you grew up in a cult for 40 years, realized this is a cult, I've got to get out. And then you stepped out, think about all the habits that you had that were built into you because yeah. you were in that cult. So your first instinct is going to be, okay, I, I, I know that's wrong, but it feels right yes. emotionally, right? And so I'm going to want to repeat the habits of the cult. It also feels right because all of my friends and family were also born into that cult. And so they're like, hey, no, come back. Hey, over here. Right. So you've got all of that. So your battle ends up being between your intellect and your emotions, right? Your ability to be logic and objective versus the emotional subjective side of us. That's the battle you're on. And that's a really hard battle. So the best thing you can do is inform yourself so that you have the logic behind so that it helps shift that emotion. You mentioned John Taylor Gatto. I recommend everybody go through and read those books. Read it so you understand the why behind that cult in general. You understand the why behind that system. Um, and then really focus yourself on, okay, what is going to be my, my purpose? What is the family's purpose? How do we not recreate school at home? There's plenty of resources around that. Selfishly, we've got a great resource for bringing families out. Right. And, and so we're glad to help you on that. But there's a million different resources uh, that, that will 
show you how to educate from home and do it in a way that is not recreating school, but you've got to keep that emotional part in check. So you're going to have to go back and forth um, between those. Another great resource. Have you ever read um, Solve for no, Happy? No, I have not. I'm writing that down. Yeah, great book. Solve for Happy. Um, gentleman named Mo Gadot, G-A-W-D-A-T. He was a Google executive for a long time. And, and the book itself has nothing to do with schooling or education. Um, but it's about the practical and, and almost tactical way to capture your thoughts and to control those and to not be controlled mm. by your thoughts. And in this particular battle, when you're trying to uh, avoid going back into this emotional place and take control of what it looks like to move forward, you've got to understand how to be tactical about that and do that. And he does it from the context or he showed it from the context of a story of him losing his son who was only mm. in his early 20s. And so how they went through that and how he had to figure out how to solve to be happy again, yeah. right? And how to shift that. So I think that's pretty transferable uh, language and tactics that are in that book to allow people to get out of that emotional state of the cult to move to move okay. forward. So those are the best things that I can tell you. It's a long tail yeah. journey, man. Um, I, for people. I, really yeah, I was raised in a uh, religious system that many have since called quite cult-like. And I can attest to what you said about the, the emotional mm -hmm. tie. Like I remember multiple times at the beginning where I'm like, yeah. I want to go back and do this thing. I know, I know it's not good for me. I know it doesn't make sense. I don't believe it anymore, but I just want to do it because it just feels good. And I remember having that mental battle. It, it was crazy. Yes. Yeah. Well, think about like people that are in bad relationships and they know the relationship's not good. They know they're being abused and they're like, ah, God, but I just kind of want to yeah. stay because it's all yeah. I know, you know, and they'll leave and they'll be like, oh, but I got to go back. I got to go back because that's all I know, even though I yep. know it's abusive, yep. right? And it's the whole Stockholm yes. syndrome kind of thing. You start to love your captor and right. That's yeah. a real thing. And that's exactly what you're going to experience. So you have to understand that it's going to be a more powerful pull Absolutely. Uh, than, than you ever realized. And that freedom is what you're after. Sovereignty is what you're after. That always requires a bigger level of responsibility than you've had prior to. Yes. And it's uncomfortable at first. And, you know, humans, we don't, we like to be comfortable. Hell so yeah. it's that willing to step out into the you unknown, bet. which is scary. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. bet. Yes, ma'am. You are correct. Oh man, this was good. Um, where can folks follow along with you? Cause I know they're going to want to know more. You have programs. I know you, you have, you mentioned your homeschooling options and you have, I think you have some men's coaching kind of tell us your, what you offer. Yeah, no, I appreciate that very much. Um, I'm probably on social media. I'm most active probably okay. on Instagram. Um, and people can always email me directly. It's Matt at Apogee strong. So A P O G E E strong.com. Um, and under that Apogee umbrella, we have a few different things, you know, the Apogee strong.com. If you go there, that's our mentorship. When I say R myself oh, and awesome. Tim Kennedy, yeah. um, who a lot of people yeah. know yeah. who Tim is, you know, so Tim's my dear friend and cool. business partner on that. Um, so we have the mentorship group for young men under the Apogee okay. strong umbrella. We are launching the Apogee strong dads mm. program here, uh, in January of 2023. Um, and then, the educating modern day heroes is underneath that as well. Uh, and so that's, you can go to educating modern day heroes.com and, and see what that is, but that's our home education program. And so that's where I walk families through the home education journey. You know, we have weekly Q and a, we send out monthly resources just to show you how not to recreate yes. school at home. And then we've got your support on the backside too, so that you can make that mental transition. Yeah. Big transition. Okay. Fabulous. So we'll, we'll drop those yes, in the show notes guys too, if you guys want to just click on that directly. Um, wow. This was so good. Thank you so much for coming on. I feel extra now. Oh, so pleasure. appreciate Thank your you time. For the invite.